She blames a lot of the marital problems between Kane and herself on Chiron. It was a huge point of contention in their marriage, and she had expressed in great detail her hatred for Chiron. I now believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that not only is she capable of hurting Chiron, that it's clear she could have hurt him in the worst possible way. And that was Desiree Young, this little boy's mama. What a heifer. She's not the one that hurt him. Oh, okay. She's talking about a different person. Oh, well, that person's a heifer for sure. Both show. <laughs> You'll soon find out. <laughs> this is Jen. This is Becky. And this is Too Close to Home Unsolved Mysteries. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Do, 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 do. There we go. And I'm so off. Don't, I, I'm not going to torture you guys with that. <laughs> it's like whenever you tried to describe a song that's in your head and you're like, telling them exactly what you think it sounds like and then you hear yourself back and you're like oh that doesn't sound anything like Mm -mm. it (laughs) it's not how i thought i sounded at all (laughs) so we decided to bring y'all another unsolved and uh for some reason it doing unsolved about kids is where's that for me like not in a like weird way but if i'm going to bring attention to anything it's definitely about the The babies babies. Mm -hmm. so we'll jump right in on this one Kyron Richard Horman was born September 9th, 2002 in Portland, Oregon. He was born to Desiree Young and Kane Horman. Desiree was eight months pregnant when her and Kane divorced. The two uh, shared custody, and in 2004, Desiree was diagnosed with kidney failure, and it required quite a bit of medical care, so she was forced to move back in with her parents. So um, Kyron's dad, Kane, took on full custody, but the mama was still very involved in the life, she just couldn't take care of him and do the things she needed to Why she took care of herself. Um, in 2007, Kane married Terry Moulton. She was a substitute teacher originally from Roseburg. Shout out where my parents live. <laughs> <laughs> That's two stories in a row just about. I know. <laughs> it's like, Mom, maybe you should move from that town. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot of shit goes down. And it's a small town, too. Oh, damn, is it? Yes. <sighs> One hospital in the town, like. <laughs> when my cousin came to Florida to visit me, he spent his whole life there. And I took him to Whataburger that was open 24 hours, seven days a week. He was like, y'all have like a burger place that's open 24 hours a day? You mean I could get a burger at one o'clock in the morning? Girl, he thought it was a bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs> that's how small town they are. <laughs> I don't think he knew those kind of things in existence. Like, come on, step out of your town. Explore a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Kane had become romantically involved with Terry around 2001 when he and Desiree were in the process of splitting up. They married in April of 2007 while visiting Hawaii. Kane bought Terry a brand new Mustang as Mother's Day gift that same year. And she posted on Facebook, something shiny for the driveway. Yes, Kane is all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> all that and a bag of Doritos. <laughs> Not long later, in December 2008, Terry gave birth to a daughter, Kira. Meanwhile, Kyron was a student at Skyline Elementary School near Forest Park. We're going to give you a little little background on his stepmama, because I think you know where we're going here. Mm -hmm. A bit of background into Terry. She was born March 14, 1970, and grew up in Roseburg. She was the daughter of two teachers, Carol and Larry Moulton. She graduated from Roseburg High School in 1988, 
and went on to Umpqua Community College, where she met her first husband, Ron Tarver. They married in 1991 in Roseburg. Terry and Ron had a son, James Logan. He was born January 26, 1994. The couple divorced later in 95. And then some of this is going to seem kind of like, why are you telling me this? But you'll see at the end why I'm telling you this stuff about her. Okay. So bear with me. <laughs> in 1999, they appeared in court over a child support dispute. Court documents indicate that Ron did not pay child support between 96 and 98. Terry had remarried by that time. She married a man named Richard Elker in 1996. He legally adopted her son, James, in 1998. Then that couple split up, and Richard paid child support on the child, $500 a month for years. Terry was a competitive bodybuilder, and there's lots of information about her career if you care to look. <laughs> I didn't care to look, but I thought I'd let y'all know. <laughs> didn't get booked. It's there, but I'm not interested. <laughs> no, pass. <laughs> She'd also been in a bit of trouble in her past. In 2005, she was arrested for drunk driving along Interstate 5. Her 11-year-old son was in the car with her. <gasps> Hashtag classy. So classy. Uh, she had a blood alcohol 0.15. Damn, bitch wasn't even playing around. She was drinking, having she a was good time. Having a damn the streets good time. with a baby. <laughs> That's how you do Fuck it. Fuck that kid. You want a beer? <laughs> We're going to get crunk. She was charged with DUI and reckless child endangerment. She pleaded guilty and took a diversion course. So that's just a little bit of her background. When Terry and Kane got married, she stopped teaching and Kyron was young, so she wanted to focus on motherhood. She stopped teaching and subbing, so she gave you a Kyron during his preschool and toddler years, said Jamie Finster, a friend from junior high who worked with Terry. Things seemed to be going pretty smoothly for the Horman clan. They were all getting along in their co-parenting situation, and the kids all seemed well-adjusted. So some of what I read said that Terry and Desiree, the biological mom, were friends. They were friends before she had her child, had been friends for years. And um, that she had kind of stepped in to help with the kid, and that's when her and the, da the dad yeah. ended up getting together. So she kind of sounded like a good person from mm -hmm. some... From the the beginning from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> she was a good stepmom till she wasn't <laughs> exactly <laughs> Kyron was seven years old on june 4 2010 he usually took the bus to school every day but on this day he had a science fair and he had a big one of those trifold boards you mm -hmm. know and he prepared um a project about red-eyed tree frogs he was super excited about it, ready to go to school, set it up. So Kyron and Terry arrived at the school early so she could see his project, help him get it all set up. They got there about 8 a.m. They went to Kyron's classroom, dropped off his coat and his backpack. Then they went to the gymnasium where the science fair was being held. Kyron excitedly showed off his project to his stepmom, his friends, and she even took a picture of him standing in front of his project. Picture. Oh, God. Um, Terry then stayed with him uh, for a while, attended the science fair, kind of looked at some other stuff. At this point, we definitely know that Kyron was at the school that morning. Terry and Kyron were seen by multiple witnesses during this time. So people seen him. Obviously, she took a picture of him. And people would later recall saying they seen the two at 8.15 in the morning, which they said they had arrived there at 8. 
Terry stated that she left the school at 845 and she last remembered seeing Kyron walking down to his first classroom. However, Kyron was never seen in his first class and instead they marked him absent the whole day. A fellow student did report seeing him at 9 a.m. nearing the south entrance, but later the kid recanted and was like, maybe it wasn't him. Terry's mother would later say, he told her, I'm going back to the classroom, Mom. She waved to him and he left. She thought he was safely at school, just like he is every day. Terry's statements to the police indicate that after leaving the school at 845, she ran two errands to two different Fred Meyer grocery stores and was at those two stores until about 10.10. Her daughter had an ear infection, and there had been a prescription sent to the Fred Meyer Pharmacy. The first Fred Meyer she went to was in Hillsboro. She got there and realized she was at the wrong store. They had called it into a different one, which... That's happened. I've done that. Shit, I have too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So she still purchased some time, and her receipt is dated 9-12. Terry then drove to the Fred Meyer in Beaverton, along Southwest Walker Road, which is where the prescription for Kira had actually been sent. So she got her prescription. Then she went to the Magic Dry Cleaners, dropped off some of Kane's clothes to be cleaned. The owner of the dry cleaner had said that Terry came in and that she had left the baby in the car when she came in. He remembered her coming in, dropping off the clothes, whatnot. While in Beaverton, she also went to Michael's Craft Store. She is known to have left there at 10 a.m. Where was her daughter? In the car. Well, she took her in the stores, just not the dry cleaner. And that kid's sick? With the ear infection. infection. Probably be whiny as shit. Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you said that. You're really <laughs> leading right into the next one. Good job, Jen. <laughs> it's like we planned this. I swear to God. I know. Don't. We never <laughs> practice, you guys. We swear to God. <laughs> so <laughs> she left there at 10. Terry's movements are basically accounted from, from that time, from the time she left at 845 until she was in Beaverton at 10. After this time, things become less clear. Between 10 and 11.39, Terry said that Kira was fussy (laughs) with her ear infection. (laughs) So she just drove around to settle her. Which I have driven my kids when they were babies before because the car and the motion. But I never went and drove them for an hour and a half because ain't nobody got time for them. No. Mm -mm. Uh, Do you know what gas prices are? I mean, for real. (laughs) (laughs) This was 11 years ago, so I'm sure they're cheaper. Well, at the time, if you think about it, like once 2008 hit, shit just started climbing. And p- the gas prices were, I mean, they're not like they are now, but damn, mm. they were expensive. Right. They're definitely different than when we were kids. <laughs> Way different. It was 98 cents a gallon when I first started driving. <laughs> not to age myself or anything. <laughs> I remember it hit $2 a gallon when I was driving. And they were like, oh, my God, how are we going to be able to afford this? And now look. <laughs> And wages haven't really gone up much since then. No. (laughs) She said she drove around until 1139. Said she just drove random roads in the area for 90 minutes. Sounds very Diane down just. Mm -hmm. The next confirmed movement of Terry comes at 1139. She went to her gym, 24-hour fitness in Beaverton. She left Kira in the daycare while she worked out for the better part of the next hour eventually picking up Kira a little afternoon and chatting with her friends for 15 to 20 minutes. I don't understand. If you got a sick baby, why are you running all over the place? That same. I'm like, if your kid's got an ear infection, damn sure not going to leave him with another person. Well, and I'm damn sure not going to take him to a noisy-ass gym with a bunch of screaming kids because I'm sure that's going to hurt their little baby ear some more. Exactly. 
who am I? <laughs> Just a lady doing a podcast with her best friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> Terry left the gym around 1240 and drove the 11 miles back to our house. She arrived home just before 1 p.m. At 1.21, she posted photos of Kyron at the science fair on Facebook. And this is the really, like, ironic part of it all. So, obviously, spoiler alert, he goes missing and they, they don't find him. The day of the science fair, so this little boy was accept, obsessed with the show CSI. And the day he went missing, he was wearing a CSI crime scene investigation shirt. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know why that just like kind of hit me some kind of way. I know way. that's hard though. <laughs> like, yeah. Around the time she posted the pictures on Facebook, she also emailed Kyron's teacher asking when she could come and pick up his project to bring home. His dad, Kane, returned home from the office around the same time, and he had come home to work from home for the rest of the day. So at three thirty, Terry and her husband Kane walked with their daughter to the bus stop to meet Kyron. The bus driver told them that the boy had not boarded the bus and to call the school and ask about his whereabouts. Terry did so only to be informed by the school secretary that as far as anyone there knew, Kyron had not been at school. He'd been marked absent and realizing that the boy was missing, the secretary called 911. So what I had read in a different um, article was, so I don't know about your daughter's school, but my kid's school, the attendance office calls before the day's even over, like yeah, halfway like through. Yeah, four o'clock hits, when the school's over, they're calling. Not not 45 minutes after or later where the bus is. Yeah. They would have known by well, then. Usually, even when I get the automated message, I'll get it around like noonish, mm-hmm. saying, hey, your kid was marked absent, make sure in you send in a note. Uh, doing some truant stuff. Right. So they didn't get any kind of alert from the school. And it said in the article that she had sent a note to the teacher or had called. It was kind of unclear and told them that he had a doctor's appointment when actually the doctor's appointment wasn't till the next week on the Mm. 10th, but she told him the 4th. Possibly to keep anyone from calling and saying he wasn't there. Don't know, though. Just me, armchair detective and over here. That's all. (laughs) But you're the best one. Well, <laughs> I've got a couple calls from sheriff's departments asking if I want to come work for them. Exactly. <laughs> JK. <laughs> the secretary called 911. Apparently, Terry called 911 as well. I don't really know why we're both calling 911, but whatever. I'm just going to say the sheriff's office because I don't even know how to say this county's name, okay? <laughs> I can even embarrass myself. <laughs> That's how it was yesterday. Like, mm, I'm just mm. messing this one up. I'm not even. It's a city. <laughs> Exactly. And this is accounting. <laughs> so the sheriff's office arrived at the elementary school at four o'clock that afternoon. Kyron was last seen at 845. And it was after three before they knew that he was missing. The sheriff's spokeswoman, L- Lieutenant Mary Lindstrom, told the press, we definitely got a late start here. The family didn't know that he wasn't at school. His teacher didn't see him. So we're feeling like we are a bit behind the eight ball here. Kyron's school, Skyline Elementary, was located right next to a large forested area surrounded by tall grass and hills. This made it hard to search as there was no clear line of sight. The school did not have CCTV at the time, so the police had to rely on just witness statements. Mm -hmm. Due to the fact that it was a science fair, the campus had been essentially open to the public that day. 
Um, there'd been a large number of people coming and going. Nobody was required to check in or sign in at the desk like normal. Anybody could have come and gone in and out of that school, and nobody would have really known. There was, again, no cameras. So This was 2010? This was... 2007. No, I'm lying to you. There's so many years in here. It's just like baffles me that it's such a current case. And like I could see that in the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s. But like. Yeah, 2010. As school shootings and like stranger danger becomes more prevalent. Like. Well, this was kind of a small town too. The school was K through 8. Oh, shit. Oh, yes. Tiny, tiny, tiny town. Yeah, and I want to say, I'm not going to direct quote because I had read, read one article about how many kids were in the school and stuff, but I didn't add that in here. But it was it was a small school. So I'm guessing small town, small school. Probably no funding anyway, so. Police last um, determined that Chiron was last confirmed to be seen around 845 that morning. And like I said, there was the one report of nine, but that was later retracted. At around 5.30, a text was sent to all the parents who had kids in the Portland School District using the district's rapid broadcast message system. The text read, Kyron Horman did not arrive at home today. Anyone with information was asked to contact the authorities. Police began a physical search on Friday night. So this, they, didn't, they didn't fuck around. They got right to it. Like, yeah. They got the call at 3.30. He wasn't there. The police were there at 4. They started searching right after that. They didn't like, oh, maybe he ran away or any of that. No, they, he was only in second grade. So. Yeah. So the first search teams arrived at the school at 8.09. Shortly after at 8.15, the Lieutenant Lindstrom arrived at the school and met with those present. She then began emailing a photo of Kyron to the local media. Deputy Mark Heron, the search and rescue coordinator, arrived at 8.25. At 9.49, Mountain Wave, an emergency communications and search and rescue group based in Grisham, also arrived at the school. At 1040, officers reported that they had complete, completed a search of the whole school, including crawl spaces, storage areas, classrooms, outbuildings, and they'd also searched the Horman house. At 1044, girl, they had it like down to the minute on this Oregonian everything they did. Yeah, they weren't playing around. At 1044, a tipster called 911 to make sure that officers checked the train tunnel in the area near the school. The caller said, sometimes kids play in there. I just want to make sure someone's checked it out. The search on the first night wrapped up at 3.23 a.m. on Saturday morning. The next search began on Saturday only an hour and a half later at 5 a.m. They literally took an hour and a half break. Let's get back on it. Officials worked with volunteers and tracking dogs to try and find Kyron. Most of the search efforts were focused on a two-mile area surrounding the school. Police also looked into Salvi Island, which was around six miles away from the school. They really seemed to focus on this area around the bridge, which crossed the Columbia River, but would never publicly state why they were so interested in this area following his disappearance. I read later in another article that it's never been like confirmed, I guess the records haven't been released, but it was said that her phone pinged off that area. Hmm. And so that's why they put such great interest into serving or searching it. But there's a big giant river too. And this little boy was only 38 pounds when he went missing. That ain't a whole lot of person to get rid of. No. You know, and very easily never to be found or recovered. 
On June 9, 2010, the Horman family, who had initially refused to speak with the media, released a statement. Kyron's family would like to thank people for support and interest in finding their son. The outpouring of support and continued effort strengthens their hope. We need for the folks to continue to assist us in our goal. Please search your properties, cars, outbuildings, sheds, etc. Also check with neighbors and friends there may, who may be on vacation or may need assistance in searching. There are a lot of resources here to help your search, so please don't stop. It is obviously a difficult time, and they want to speak to the public so you can hear it from Kyron's family as they come together to share their message. Their objective is to keep the focus on Kyron and not about anything else. On June 12th, around 300 trained rescuers were on the ground searching wooded areas near the school. The search for Kyron, which spanned over 10 days, was the largest in Oregon history and included 1,300 searchers from Oregon, Washington, and California. A reward posted for information leading to the discovery was initially 25000 and expanded to 50000 So very quickly, the tide began to turn against Terry. She was the last person to see Kyron, and people started delving into that. Not, so not long after getting married, apparently things started going bad between mm. her and her husband. She had, there were some emails that were turned over, and which was the quote that I read, a severe hatred for Chiron. She blames a lot of the marital problems between Kane and Chiron on, or, yeah, on Kane and herself on Chiron. It was a huge point of contention in their marriage, and she expressed in great detail her hatred for him. Damn. How can you hate a kid like that? You know what I mean? Like. And from everything I read, he appeared to be like a good kid. Not that if he was a bad kid, it would have made it okay. But he was in advanced placement math classes already. He was taking sign language classes. And he's in second grade. And he's already doing all this. He made I can't this... even get my kid to put her backpack up in the afternoon since she's in second grade. Okay? I can't even get mine to learn to tie her shoes. Okay. She's just like, it's cool. You'll keep doing it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and if I can't do it at school, the teacher will. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> I can't get her to do anything. So. By all appearances, the kid seemed to be like a legit good kid. And again, you chose to marry his daddy when you knew he came with the deal. Also, that was the whole reason they got together because he was she was helping him with, you know, the boy. And now you hate him. Yeah. Was he just a, a plot point here for you to get into to Kane's pants? Well, I I'm going to give you. I'm going to read you this next little bit, and then I'm going to tell you why I think Chiron became the problem. In late June of 2010, in the midst of the search, investigators were approached by Rodolfo Sanchez. He was the housekeeper or the landscaper for Kane and Terry. He said that Terry had offered him a lot of money to kill her husband. Sanchez testified in a disposition that Terry approached him to help kill her husband in January of 2010, five months before Kyron's disappearance. In her own disposition, Terry denied the charge. Police documents say that Terry told Rudy, that's Rodolfo's like little short name there, that Kane often carried around an, ac- an excess of cash, so any attack on him would just look like a mugging. Terry then allegedly told Rudy that he could keep any money that Kane would have on him, which was estimated to be around 10000 as well as the laptop he constantly hauled around. Why is he carrying around $10,000? Well, 
he was a, um he worked for Intel. I mean, that still doesn't explain why you had ten grand on you. But I know he like he made good money. Oh, well, I mean And she might have been lying and just telling him that to get him to do it, thinking him yeah. thinking, Oh, I'm gonna get at least ten grand off him. Yeah, that's but like who just has money. ten grand in their pocket? Like your pockets have to be like huge and bulging. Right. Of course, maybe I'm thinking about ones, which is all I carry. <laughs> I don't usually carry hundreds, okay? <laughs> and they make bills bigger than that. Five hundreds, huh? See, I don't even know. That's how broke I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't even know. I've never it's, had that problem. Side up, I got a few 20s. <laughs> right? Like, where did these come from? A hundred. I'm like, I need to put this in the bank. I might lose it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just my broke ass. <laughs> right? If y'all live carrying around 10G in your pocket, good for you. And let good. me know what kind of... Uh, yeah, what do you do for a living? Not only that, but what are the... um, What's each bill? What What is that? Yeah. What's the tender? There we go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What? How many hundreds? How many twenties? I need to know. Is there five hundred dollar bills, a thousand dollar bills? What's going on here? I don't know anything about the hundred. <laughs> Help a girl out, <laughs> please. Oh. Rudy told police that Terry wanted him to kill Kane because he was abusive and was planning to divorce her and take custody of Kira. Investigators convinced Sanchez to confront Terry while wearing an audio surveillance device, but they were unable to obtain any evidence and could not make an arrest. When detectives shared the landscaper's account with Kane, her husband, motherfucker packed his bags and got the fuck out the same day. Oh, he was I wouldn't like, blame him. I'm like, I ain't dying today. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you see people like, they wouldn't do that and they stay. And then they got got. Not, nah, not Kane. <laughs> Kane was like, not going to fuck around and find out. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Two days later, he filed for divorce and he got a restraining order against him. Hell yeah. The divorce was granted and Terry was eventually granted supervised visitation with her daughter. All that shit she didn't want happen mm-hmm. happened. All of the Horman family took polygraph tests. Terry was the only one that seemed to have trouble passing them. Mm-hmm. She took two tests between June 4th and June 25th. She failed one and apparently walked out of the second after she became frustrated by the questioning. In August 2010, it was announced that law enforcement were searching for an individual allegedly seen by two witnesses sitting inside Terry's truck outside Skyline Elementary the day of the disappearance. Bruce McCain, a former sheriff, told CBS News, the identity of that second person, if he or she existed, could be critical in determining what happened to Kyron after 9 a.m. on June 4th. Over the years, the possibility of Terry's phone teeing off the power a tower by Salvi Island has been discussed. If it did it ping there, then this would explain again why they focused their efforts so heavily there. Never been confirmed though. It also emerged publicly that so Terry had that son from her previous marriage, James. So he was older. He was a teenager at the time that Chiron went missing. He moved out of the home that he shared with them just two or three months before Chiron went missing and moved in with his grandparents. Never spoke about what made him move out, but he lived with his mom the whole time, even while she'd been drinking and driving, carrying him around in the car, mm-hmm. everything. And then all of a sudden, he just moved out. So, you know, something was going on in that house, obviously, too. She was trying to get her husband killed, which I think she wanted to take out Chiron and the husband because if she killed Kane, Chiron would be entitled to... All the, yeah. And at least portion of it she gets rid of both of them then she gets everything yeah and he made money and she wanted 
She wanted that money. Mm -hmm. After Terry and Kane split up, Terry very quickly moved on with a man named Michael Cook. Michael had gone to school with Kane and had participated in the search for Kyron. Terry also retained an attorney by the end of June, a man named Stephen Howes. I came across court documents that were the text messages between Terry and this guy, Michael, and most of them were sexual in which she kept telling him how good she could perform a certain act on a man. (laughs) Read between the lines, guys. She kept saying, (laughs) I've been told numerous times I could suck a golf ball through a water hose. (laughs) Jimmy's impressed. (laughs) And she kept saying this over and over to the guy and she kept telling him how much she wanted him and she would just talk dirty. And it was so funny because I was like, this is straight up some old people sexting because he would be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, thanks for saying that. Oh, you're a fun girl. Yeah, you're a fun gal. <laughs> that's what he kept saying. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you couldn't tell whether or not he was like trying to find some stuff out because every now and then he would throw in like, he was like, oh, I seen that you got this guy from your attorney. He was like, that's going to cost you a lot of money. And then she wouldn't really address those texts. She'd start talking dirty again. And then... Um, She's trying to move on to her next victim. Girl, that's what I was thinking. I was like, bruh. And apparently they did get together a few times because then the text would be like, thanks for coming over last night. Because the last bit of texts that were in the court documents, she said, could you not let anybody know that I came over last night? She's like, I didn't okay it with my attorney and I don't want so-and-so and so-and-so to find out. And he was like, look... I'm not going to lie. He was like, I don't appreciate you putting me in that position. He's yeah. like, if you don't want people to know you're here, then don't come. Exactly. And um, she was just like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just worried about my daughter. She's with Kane all by herself and da, da, da. She kept like trying to turn herself into a victim. But she also, they were talking about something. He was asking her about something that had been on the news. And she was like, um, I just got a clean phone. Do you have a clean phone? And he was like, what are you talking about? Well, apparently she'd gotten a burner and he just had, a, he was like, well, I guess my phone's not clean. He's like, it's my regular phone. He's like, I, like he legit, like didn't even know what the hell she was talking yeah, about. Right. <laughs> so she's explaining to him how they can like trace your phone and how they can put it so they can bug it. And that her house is dirty. She's pretty sure there's bugs in there and this and that. So I'm like, obviously you have enough wear thought to be very careful about how you're doing everything. Mm-hmm. Which, that just screams guilty girl in june 2010 a grand jury subpoenaed several friends of terry's including dd spitcher whom young and kane described as having been in close communication with terry and providing terry with support and advice that was not in the best interest of our son according to law enforcement we're going to call her dd because our last name is harder to say (laughs) was extremely cooperative and allowed a search of her property and car as well as enduring three hours of questioning from detectives on the day of Kyron's disappearance, Dee Dee abruptly left her work gardening for a homeowner in Northwest Port- Portland around 1130 and returned 90 minutes later. Now remember, old girl went missing for 90 minutes, mm-hmm. driving her daughter around. She also allegedly helped Terry purchase an untraceable cell phone, a burner. During this time, Dee Dee told journalists, There's this horror that my friend is going through. 
If I thought for a second that she was capable of foul play, I would not have been there. She would not have been my friend in the first place. So this Dee Dee never really accounts for her hour and a half that she was missing the same amount of time that her right. friend was. You know, when I was talking to JJ about it last night, I was like, you know, that's so suspicious. I was like, that would be just like if you were Jimmy Witnessing and then me and Jennifer both left our jobs and we're gone for an hour and a half in return. I mean, come on. You guys would know we'd be getting rid of one of your bodies. <laughs> exactly. He just looked at me like, I was like, isn't that making We're sense? not really was, planning that, JJ. No. Or are we? Just letting you know. <laughs> just letting you know what I'm capable of. <laughs> Keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> In early August 2010, both Young and Kane were subpoenaed and testified during the grand jury hearing. As was the school principal. In December 2010, it was reported the Oregon reported by the Oregonian that the grand jury had yet to provide compelling evidence yielding a potential indictment. By November 29, 2010, search efforts in Kyron's case had cost an estimated $1.4 million and yielded 4,257 tips. On June 1, 2012, Young, that's Kyron's real biological mom, filed a civil lawsuit against Terry, claiming that she was responsible for the disappearance of Kyron. The lawsuit attempted to prove that Terry had kidnapped Kyron on the day he disappeared. Young sought $10 million in damages. On August 15, 2012, a federal judge denied a motion by Terry to delay the lawsuit. So she was trying to delay it. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, play it out. If I didn't do nothing, go ahead. Do what yeah, you gotta right? do. Go ahead. You ain't gonna find shit. Yeah. In early October 2012, Dee Dee, the friend that had went off for an hour and a half, refused to answer any of the 142 questions posed to her during a disposition regarding the lawsuit. Among these questions were several regarding where she was that day and what her contact with Terry was. She just wouldn't answer any of them. She also declined to identify a photo of Kyron, stating, I don't know if I ever met him or not, and said, I don't know if I know his dad or not. During testimony provided by Kane in a separate hearing that same year, he stated that police had told him they have more probable cause to think Terry Holman was involved in Kyron's disappearance than they did two years ago. On June 30th, 2013, it was announced that Young had dropped the lawsuit against Terry so as not to interfere with the ongoing police investigation. They wouldn't say why. They just said she dropped it and she was like, I don't want to interfere with the investigation, so I'm dropping the lawsuit right now. I don't really know what that means. Yeah. Why you would have to drop the lawsuit, but. Mm. Anything. I would feel like you're, you're cornering it from two different ways getting an answer. Yeah. Beats the heck out of me. They didn't teach me that in armchair detective school. No. The difference, so. <laughs> I must have missed that class. I did. <laughs> Terry and Kane's divorce was fully finalized in 2013. Kane was awarded full custody of Kira. And in 2013 and 2014, Terry petitioned to the court to be able to change her name. She first tried to change her name to Claire Stella Sullivan. The judge denied the request, stating, bruh, we got an ongoing disappearance into a little boy's, uh, ongoing investigation to a little boy's disappearance, and you's the suspect. You's not changing your name. Not today. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> she tried again four months later and requested that her name be changed to Claire Keisel. I guess she really likes the name Claire. She told the court that she needed a new name to, quote, start a new life without having the stigma of the Horman attached to it. 
She said she hadn't been able to find a job in the past four years. She also said her life had been threatened and that she was worried about her safety, as you should be. Right. In December 2014, Terry withdrew her name change request because they were like, mm, I don't think so, honey. Something. No. Trifling. Police have no other suspects, and there are little to no updates on the Chiron case as of today. They found no clues. They found nothing. Foreman's father told the news in 2015, all the searches to date that I know of, both private and by the sheriff's office or the search and rescue team, there's been no piece of evidence forensically linked to our case. So they found nothing. So he's not around here. So the question is, where is he? I had to look her up. You need to look up the picture, little boy, at the science fair. It's heartbreaking. Such a little cutie. Terry decided to appear as a guest on Dr. Phil in 2016, during which she told him, I was advised from the beginning by law enforcement, by my husband at the time, by attorneys in the beginning, not to say anything. I've always wanted to. I've asked multiple times to speak out and have not been allowed. She denied having any involvement in Kyron's disappearance and also stated her belief was that he was kidnapped, adding, there was a man in a white pickup truck, a Ford, parked by Highway 30 at the 7-Eleven, which is not near the school. He was acting very strange, and he was addressed by one of the employees because he was pacing back and forth in front of the 7-Eleven for about an hour. So you think some guy who wasn't even by the school at a 7-Eleven acting weird then drove to the school and kidnapped the kid? It's a big jump. A big jump. But I guess you reach for any straw you can get, right? Right. 2016 was not a good year for Terry. She was arrested in California for driving a stolen car. Oh, shit. I thought it was going to be another DUI. Nope. (laughs) But she uh, was booked into the Marion County Jail, later released on bail. She also faced charges for domestic abuse. She threatened her then-living boyfriend with a knife. He ended up filing for a restraining order. So now it's two men we know got restraining orders against her. She was also charged after allegedly stealing a gun from her roommate. So she's been arrested like four or five times. This is crazy. In May of 2017, it was reported by Portland Station KGW that a secret grand jury panel continued to hear evidence in Kyron's disappearance and had convened on multiple occasions. During the report, Kyron's case was described as active and ongoing. Two months later, in July of 2017, law enforcement conducted further searches along Skyland Boulevard, but these searches yielded no results. In June of 2018, Kyron's mom posted on the official Find Kyron Horman Facebook page, Stay tuned, something big is coming, I promise you. Unfortunately, there was never any follow-up from the posts. Mm. In 2018, Terry remarried in Nevada. She married a man named Jose De Jesus Vasquez Martinez on March 17th in Clark County, Nevada. On June 4th, 2020, marked 10 years since Kyron's disappearance. He was due to turn 18 in September of 2020 and should have been graduating. All of the markers are really hard, his mom said. The fact that I don't get to be a part of it, it makes me angry. Someone took that away from us, and it's not right. Ten years is hard, Desiree said. I hope we aren't here in a year. I want Terry to do the right thing. I want her to end this torture. Mm -hmm. We just want to bring Kyron home. To this day, the sheriff's department is still actively seeking any and all leads in this case. 
But without a breakthrough, the authorities are still no closer to solving his disappearance than they were a decade ago. That's so hard. You don't know if they're alive, they're dead. You know, there's no... Oh, you know he's dead. Oh, I know he's dead, but you know, those parents who have children that are lost by that time, they still hold on to that hope. Oh, yeah. And then not having any answers whatsoever is got to be torture. And the the markers, that's the first thing I thought before you, you said that, you know, graduation. And like I was thinking, what is he, would be 22 now or 21? He was seven in 2010. So, yeah. That means he was born in 2003. So like the driver's license, the... High school dances, the first girlfriend, all these things, all these wonderful events stolen. Yep. And I think the hardest part would just be, just freaking tell me where he is. Just let me have his little baby body back. Cause yeah, let me put him to rest. Yeah. She knew what she was doing. And apparently she her friend was a ride or die because she ain't said nothing. And you know she was involved. They both were gone for that 90 minutes that at bitch. the same time in the day. Like, if Jimmy did you wrong and you needed me for 90 minutes, I could help you out. But I couldn't with Camilla. I'm sorry. I haven't got you that far, okay? (laughs) Like, there's a line that you draw. Yeah, like, if we're burying a man's body, that's different. If we're burying a baby's body, a baby ain't done nothing. Exactly. Nothing. And And you're going to blame that baby for your marriage and everything. Come on now. Yeah. I wonder if her son, her teenage son at the time, now that he's older, I wonder if he's ever thought about speaking out. I know. You couldn't find much about that, about the rest of the other family. he had to have been abused like a motherfucker just to leave and like, I don't even want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Knew something was going to happen. She was a bodybuilder, so she was strong. Oh, yeah, yeah. And those texts, she talked a lot about that, too. She talked about how strong she was and how she could outbench any man and... um her like lead up to their sexting was like uh you want to arm wrestle because you know i beat you at arm wrestling and i'm like that really gets a man's motor running when you tell him how weak he is and how much stronger you are (laughs) it's usually what i tell jj like come here you little weak bitch lay down come here you bitch you ain't gonna talk back to me (laughs) yes baby yes (laughs) i'm like "Mm, okay let me uh, emasculate these men they're gonna love it (laughs) oh let me tell you my sources uh all that's interesting.com kyron horman or Wikipedia, The Disappearance of Kyron Horman, and truecrimesocietyblog.com. Oh, that was like a wealth of information. And they obviously this one was over Kyron Horman missing since 2010. And unfortunately, this isn't like the other unsolved we did with the Delphi. I feel like there's still hope of solving that one. I don't think there will ever be hope of solving this one until she just messes up and says something mm-hmm. or her friend. Oh, yeah. Well, they like they have the bodies in Delphi. You know, they have all this wealth of evidence and they've never found him. And Oregon is so wooded and stuff. Oh, and they yeah. are already like they fucking ne- the school's next to the woods and shit. Like when JJ said, he's like, why don't they just do like a search of the 45 minutes all around the area? And I'm like, babe, the woods up there are so thick and dense that and he was only 38 pounds mm-hmm. i was like it wouldn't take much of a grave to he put would him already in. been buried by leaves and mm-hmm. and other things just natural burial over time to find his little baby bones yeah i said they'll never find him unless 
no one will probably ever stumble across him, especially at this point. No. I said the only way they'll ever find him is if she ever tells. And she's gotten away with 11 years. She's not going to. Oh, no, no. She's going to take that shit to her grave. Allegedly. I'm sorry. Unless, unless she gets in jail for something else, like that's a life type thing. And she's like, you know what? Fuck it. Because every once in a while they'll be like, oh, well, if I'm going to admit to this, I'm going to admit to everything. Right. Or they could be like uh, Randy Kraft, talk about it one time and be like, fuck it. I'm out. I'm not talking about it anymore. Mm hmm. What a bitch. I know. Fucking cunt. Then she wanted that audacity, audacity to petition the court to change her name for a new start. No. Like hell. Because we all know you did it. Mm-hmm. It and makes I me mean, think of like um, Barbie and Ken Keller's, like Carla oh, Homoka. Yeah. She changed her name. And then they found out, you know, what her name was, that she's got a new family and mm-hmm. kids. She's got and three shit. whole kids. Yeah. Like, hmm. Okay, Carla. <laughs> Who would want to have uh, marry her and have children? No. I guess the same people that write serial killers in prison. Oh, yeah. There's got to be one for somebody, I guess. There's there's someone out there for everybody, guys. <laughs> there is. If Carla Homoka Might be can, yours. could have another marriage and a child, and this bitch right here could go to Nevada and get married again, despite her shitty history, then there's somebody for everybody. There is. Don't give up hope, ladies. <laughs> Just don't write anybody in prison, please. <laughs> Not unless you're doing it for a... Uh, uh, educational standpoint like we would 100 <laughs> percent. we're not like, doing it to marry him <laughs> like i'm hoping that um oh my god william reese who we did a podcast on is currently at the friendswood county jail and might be coming to the jail i work at and i'm really hoping that i'll get to so let me tell you about my podcast <laughs> <laughs> just want to do a little interview like, view what do you think the odds are they would fire me if i was like Oh, we, he needs to be seen. I'll go see him. So, I did an episode of the podcast. Any uh, feedback you can give me on that? Any uh, <laughs> quotes I can have? Hold on, let me play this for you. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably get fired, but as long as I was able to complete the interview before it, I'd be okay with them. It's worth it. Worth it. Worth it. You're okay. Nurses are a hot commodity right now. You'll be rehired in a second. And now I'm an X-ray tech and a CT tech, so I am versatile. You're like. A golden child. Like, exactly. She hits all the, she checks all the boxes, y'all. Exactly. So if you want a badass nurse <laughs> who knows a lot of true crime details and you want to pay her hella good and give her some hella good insurance, <laughs> Becky's your girl. I'm your girl. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> no shame here, baby. Mm-mm, I ain't got none. no cooth. None. <laughs> I just want a, mu- a bunch of money. So if you just want to hand me money, that'd be great. Yeah, that's fine too. You got ten thousand dollars sitting in your pocket, like in Kane, hundreds or five hundreds or whatever increments that they make. What them do in? rich people have? We want it. I do. <laughs> I want it. I want to walk around and be like, I got ten sheets in my pocket all the time. <laughs> Dreams, aspirations, goals. Hashtag goals. <laughs> Well, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. And don't bring it too close to home. Don't bring a bitch like Terry near you. Mm-mm. Do not bring her to your home. Because that's way too fucking close. If she's a bodybuilder, just nah, dog. That's a no for me, dog. If she says anything about golf balls and... Uh, through a water hose. Through a water hose. Now we say don't put your dick in crazy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. I was thinking that that whole time, too. (laughs) 
If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.